Well, amen. It's good to be back. And I had a great time with you this morning. And I'm looking forward to having a, another great time tonight. Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter number 27. Acts chapter 27. And while you're turning there, let me tell you about an old-time revivalist. This was one of the great revivalists of yesteryear. And uh, this man had a mind out of this world. Uh, he was, and I wish my mind was as good as his, but mine wasn't as good as his even when I was younger. And, uh, but this guy could open his Bible to any book, any text, and he could just preach you a five-point outline, I mean, just like that. Uh, he never prepared for a message. He would step in a pulpit. The preachers would have him to come, and uh, he would just come and uh, ask him. He said, Preacher, is the revival this week mine? And the preacher said, Yes, it's yours. And he'd just drop his Bible on the pulpit, and wherever it opened, he'd preach a revival message. Well, I mean, and this went on for years. And one day he was invited to a, a, an old country church. And uh, he was asked to preach a revival. And this old country church uh, had the old, some of you may remember, some of you are old enough to remember when the churches had those little theater seats. That, you know, a theater seat when you sit down, the bottom goes down, when you get up, it comes up. And, uh, but anyway, he was asked to preach in one of those churches. And uh, he opened his Bible to Revelations chapter uh, uh, um Chapter 22, and he said, my text for tonight, Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. Mm -hmm. And then all at once, his mind went blank. I mean, he couldn't get anything else out. And he said it again. He said, and I just want to say that Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. And nothing else came out. The whole church was just sitting back in anticipation hoping that this man would just come through with something. And on the front row of those theater seats, there was a relatively large lady that was sitting there, and, you know, and she had wedged herself in one of those seats. Uh, and this guy said again three times, he said, Be I said, behold, I come quickly. And nothing happened. And he got flustered. He said, oh, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have any notes. I don't have anywhere to go with this thing. And so he backed all the way up to the wall. Now this old church had the standing microphones with all the cords and the, the amplifiers and things setting out. And he just started running toward the front of the platform. And he said, behold, I come quickly. Just as he said that, his toe of his shoe got caught in those cords. And he went flying off the platform and landed right in the lap of this big lady. I mean, Brother Blow, he landed in her lap, and he, of course he was, I mean, he was embarrassed. And he looked up and he said, Ma'am, God knows I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And she said, No, Sonny. She said, You said it three times. If I hadn't been wedged in this seat, I would have got up and moved. Well, I don't plan on flying off the pulpit, and, uh, and uh, I'm not going to preach from that scripture either, but I am going to try to uh, work with you tonight from Acts chapter uh, uh, number 27, and I just want to start off by saying bad things happens to good people, but it does not mean that God has forgotten you, Okay. It does not mean that God hasn't forgotten you. Some people are under the impression that because we are saved, 
we're not going to have any problems. And whoever told you that, when you see them, so let them have one right across the lips. Because I want you to understand something. You're going to have problems. Some people judge, uh, 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 judge circumstances or take circumstances and try to judge the will of God by circumstances. I'm glad tonight that I don't have to judge the will of God by circumstances. I'm glad of that. Because church, we are going to have circumstances. I want you to, first of all, I want you to sit back and relax. Because I want to tell you something. Because you're saved does not exempt you from problems. Okay? I'm going to say something else. You might find yourself in the perfect will of God. And you'll still have problems. You'll still have problems. Some people, the minute problems begin to happen, they fall apart. They start asking God this. They start asking God that. They know that they're in the perfect will of God, but they start, they, listen, they just fall apart. Problems are going to come. And tonight I'm going to show you that. Problems are going to come. If you have found uh, Acts chapter uh, 27 now, let's look at verse number 21. First of all, let me just say what Acts chapter 27 is dealing with. Paul sets, uh, sets sail with a bunch of Myrnas. He's on his way to Rome to meet with Caesar. Paul had told the Myrnas before. He said, listen, the weather is not in our favor. We should not set sail. But they set sail anyway. And after a few days, the, a, a great storm came. And uh, it, it, just, um, it just battered the ship. And, and, and the Bible said that the sun and the moon and the stars were not seen for many days. And let's pick it up in verse number 21. The Bible said, but after, it, after long absence, Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not to have loosened from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Verse number 26. If you have a highlighter, if you mark in your Bible, if you highlight in your Bible, highlight verse number 26. Look what it says. Howbeit, we must be cast upon a certain island. Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for this church. Thank you for Dr. Bloom and his great people here at this church. Lord, for inviting me, Lord, to come and be a part of their revival. I pray, Father, that everything that is said, Lord, would be true to the word of God. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God will have free reign in the service to challenge and to convict each of us, Lord, as to where we are versus where we need to be. I also pray, Father, if there's one present tonight that know not the Lord Jesus Christ, and the forgiveness of their sin, that, Lord, they would not leave this place tonight without getting that matter resolved. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Now, he said, what are you saying? Here in those uh, several verses that I read, Paul told them something. He said, listen, there stood by me this night the angel of God. In other words, he told them, he said, listen, I stood in the presence of God. Not only did I stand in the presence of God, but I rest my case upon the promises of God because God has promised that not one life is going to be lost. He didn't say the storm was going to stop, but he said not one life was going to be lost. And he said, listen, be of good cheer. In other words, Paul said, you know something? I have the peace of God as I stand here. But where was Paul? He was still in the midst of that storm. He was still in the midst of that storm. That storm was still raising. But the Bible said, listen, Paul was in the perfect will of God while the storm was going on because the angel of God told Paul, he said, listen, Paul, you must, you must be delivered before Caesar. In other words, it is God's will that you go before Caesar. So what are you saying? The storm did not take Paul out of the will of God. Paul was in the perfect will of God. He was going before Caesar because God said, you are going before him. But you said, preacher, but what, what, what about the storm was there. God said, listen, you're in the perfect will of God. God showed up at church and you're in the midst of your storm. I want you to know something. If you're in the perfect will of God, God will show up. But you're still going to have that how be it moment. That how be it moment simply means that there are times in your life when you're serving God, problems are going to happen. And I want you to understand something. Those problems do not catch God by surprise. God knows what's going to happen in your life. But you know something? He said when you got saved, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, what God is saying, even in the midst of a storm, even in the midst of problems, even in the midst of trials, I want you to understand something. I'm right there. David said it in, in, in Psalm 23. He said, uh, 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 Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of, of death, I shall fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Thou art with me. David said, listen, I don't care where God sends me. I don't care what God wants me to do. God is going to be with me. Church, you listen. Many times in our lives, we get so caught up in the storm and so caught up with what's going on in the storm, our eyes are on the storm, and we have taken our eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. Huh? We've taken our eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. You know one thing? That might be the reason why we haven't had revival. Hmm? Our eyes are on the storm, and God knows there's a great storm in America today. There's a great storm. Hey, listen, ships are being rocked and tossed and turned. But I want you to know one thing. God is still sovereign in all the affairs of this world, including America. Including America. So you say, preacher, what are you saying? I want you to, listen, listen, don't get caught up in the storm. Get caught up into the God that's over the storm. Get caught up into the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Huh? Huh? You said, what are you saying? I want you to understand something, church, tonight. I believe I'm preaching to a saved crowd. I believe I'm preaching to a saved crowd. You're saved. You're on the winning side. You're going to make it. You're going to heaven when you die. But I want you to understand, you may have already been in one, but if you haven't been in one, you're going to be in one. There's going to be a how-be-it moment that's going to come in your life, and I want you to understand something. It's going to rock your ship. It's going to toss you. It's going to turn you. But I want you to realize one thing. If, if, if you are right where God wants you to be, God will see you through the storm. He will see you through the storm. Huh? 
He saw Paul through the storm. Huh? You can't avoid them. Paul told the Myrnas, he said, I've had, I have a word from God. The angel of God came to me this night and he said some things to me. Huh? He said, fear not. Be of good cheer. Not one life shall be lost. He did not say, I'm going to stop the storm. And if you read the rest of the story, I'm going to tell you something. He did not stop the storm. But in the last two, ver or two uh, uh, verses of the chapter, every man on the ship made it to shore. Some went swimming. Some went on pieces of board. Some went on pieces of the ship. They made it to shore. Why? Because God said so. And if you are a child of God, I don't care how big the storm. I don't care how high the mountain. I don't care how deep the valley you listen to me and you listen to me well the God that led you into the valley will lead you out of the valley he's not going to remove the valley he's not going to cut the mountain down he will lead you over the mountain Amen. but you got to keep your eyes on him you got to keep your eyes on him you're not exempt from problems you're not exempt from problems a lot of people say well Pastor, why did God allow the storm? Sometimes, church, God allows a storm because God is working behind the scenes. Sometimes God is working behind the scenes. Uh, you say, well, say, say, what, well, say, what might he be doing? Uh, he's working, so, like I said this morning, he might be working on your future. He might be working on your trust. He might be just a sin if you're going to pray. Do you know when we pray the most? When the storms come. When the storms come. What happens when there are no storms? Sometimes we forget to talk to our Heavenly Father. And church, I want you to understand one thing tonight. I want you to understand one thing. God longs to hear from His children. God longs to hear from His children. You who are parents, maybe even grandparents, you long to hear from your children. You don't long to hear them begging you for something all the time, but you long to hear from them. I have a daughter that's 30 years old. And on the average day, she calls me four to five times a day. And I ask her sometimes, I say, sweetheart, what do you want? Huh? And she said, daddy, I just want to tell you I love you. Daddy, I just want to talk to you. Well, church, if my, if my earthly daughter does her earthly dad that way, I wonder how your heavenly father feels. Do you realize most of the time when we go to our Heavenly Father, we are begging Him for something? Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I want you to know something tonight, church. The God that I serve, the God that I worship, the God that I love is more than a give me God. He's a God to be loved. He's a God to be praised. He's a God to be exalted. He's a God. Have you ever fallen on your face and said, God, I don't want anything. I just want to tell you that I love you. I just want to tell you that I adore you. Hey, listen, I think my Heavenly Father would love to hear that sometime. But you know something? The storms are still going to come. The storms are still going to come. The howbeit moments are going to come. Trouble is going to come. You said, preacher, why? We don't understand. Sometimes we read the word of God, but we don't get the full meaning of what the word of God is telling us. Huh? Oftentimes, church people wonder, I wonder why God doesn't bless me like he blessed the Old Testament saints. I, often, I wonder why God doesn't anoint me like he anointed the New Testament saints and so forth. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. 
most of the time God can't do it because he can't because we can't get self out of the way. We can't get pride out of the way. The Bible says my God is no respecter of person and he is and I thank God that he is no respecter of person. What he has done for others he can do for you. What he has done for others he will do for you if it needs to be done. But church oftentimes he can't do it because our eyes are on everything else. Remember in the Bible when the Bible said the Lord Jesus Christ sent the apostles out to go across the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came walking to them on the water. Huh? Now, we, well, we all are familiar with that portion of Scripture. But there is one thing I believe is in John's account. The Bible said the Lord Jesus Christ would have passed them by. He would have passed them by. And I often ask myself, why would he have passed them by? I can tell you why he would have passed them by. Because there for a while, even though the wind were raging and the, the waves were beating in the, in, in, in the ship and so forth, the apostles were in the ship and they thought they could handle it. And church, how many times do we have a problem when we think that we can handle it and still of calling on the Lord Jesus Christ, still of casting your cares on Him, still of unloading your burdens on Him, we are sitting there trying to cast the water out. The Bible said the Lord Jesus Christ would have passed them by. But then all at once, someone looked out there and they saw Him and they thought He was a ghost. They thought He was a ghost. Now I want you to understand, we, hey, we're living in modern times. Someone tell me what a ghost looked like. Someone tell me what a ghost looks like. They have, I, I've never seen one, but if y'all have seen one, tell me what it looks like. I don't think they have ever seen one. But I want you to understand, when you are in the midst of a storm, when you are in the midst of things, sometimes you see things that aren't there. Because there is no way can you get the Lord Jesus Christ confused with the ghost. Not, that, not when you've walked with him. Not when you've talked with him. Not when you've slept with him. Not when you've, ate, you've eaten with him. There is no way that Jesus Christ looks like a ghost. And I want you to say, for them to say, we thought he was a ghost. Sometimes, church, you get so caught up in the things huh, that reality is off the charts. And church, when we come to serving God, sometimes we get so caught up into self. Sometimes we get so caught up into the, the uh, society. Sometimes we get so caught up into other people that we miss the one who's trying to get our attention. We miss the one who's trying to get our attention. Paul said, be of good cheer. I believe God. God said there's not going to be a loss of any man's life. I believe that. The Lord Jesus Christ said in John 14, I'm coming back to get you. I believe that. When's he coming, Pastor? I don't know. And you know something? I really don't care. But I do care about one thing. He's coming back for me. Huh? It doesn't have to be tomorrow. It wouldn't hurt me if it was. Huh? It doesn't have to be next week. It wouldn't hurt me if it was. But the promise is still there. He's coming back for me. And where he is there, I'm going to be also. And I'm excited about that. But meanwhile, Pastor, what's going to happen? I'm going to go through some howbeat moments. I'm going to have a high mountain to climb. I'm going to have a deep valley to climb out of. I'm going to have a severe storm to wade my way through. But blessed be to God, my heavenly Father is going to be there all the way. 
That storm was not taking Paul out of the will of God. That storm was seeing Paul through the will of God. And church, this storm in your life will do the same thing. It will do the same thing. I heard an old preacher say, when it comes to the Christian life, we have a heavenly father that is our heavenly refiner. Say he's a refiner. He takes a, a lump of metal, gold if you would, silver if you would, and he put it on the fire. And he turns the fire up. And he starts to refine it. Ladies, those gold necklaces and things that you wear, if you saw the piece of gold come out the ground, what it looked like, you say, yuck. Huh? But the refiner had to put fire under it. And as he put fire under it and melted that rock, he took a ladle, a metal ladle, and he scooped all the scum and all the dross and all of that stuff, the impurities off of that. And when he finished, when he finished refining that rock or that lump of gold, he could see his reflection in it. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ would love to see his reflection in us according to Romans chapter 8 and verse 29? That we might be conformed to the very image of his dear son. He will love to see his image in us. But I want you to understand something, church. When the storms come in your life, when the problems come, when the trials come, it could be God said, I just need to skim off a little bit more scum. I just need to skim off a little bit more dross. I just need to purify this old life a little bit more. I just need to make your life a vessel of honor. And I want you to understand, be of good cheer. Fear not, because I got this. I got this. And that's pretty much what he told Paul. He said, you tell the mourners, fear not. Not one of them are going to lose their life. Paul said, I had the peace of God. God had given him peace. When God said, be of good cheer and fear not, I want you to know something. God can't speak a, a, a better set of words than fear not or be of good cheer to give you the peace of God. Huh? Paul had the peace of God. Paul even shared the peace of God with the mourners. But church, the storm kept raging. The storm kept raging. They had to go through the storm. Verse 26 said, how be it you must be? How be it you must be? Let me tell you something about that how be itness. He said, how be it you must be cast on a certain island? When I think of an island, I think of a little piece of land that's surrounded by water. And if you're the only person on that island, you are a pretty lonely fellow. Back in high school, I read a story about a man named Robinson Crusoe. Some of you may remember that. Some of you still may even read it. He was on the island. He thought by himself till one day he saw a footprint. He realized there was someone else there. Y'all know the story, maybe, but I want you to know something. An island can be a lonely place if you're there by yourself. A spiritual island can be even a more lonelier place especially if you don't feel the presence of God with you. There have been some good men in the Bible that were cast into a place that was similar to an island. I think of John the Baptist. Jesus said there wasn't a greater man born of woman than John. John the Baptist preached about, against everything. John the Baptist actually preached his head off. Huh? Most preachers preach their heart out. John preached his head off. Huh? Huh? But he preached against everything. Huh? It didn't matter. He didn't like it. Anything associated with sin, John preached against it. But one day, 
in one of his messages, he offended the king. He offended the king's wife. And they had him thrown into prison. John wondered why the Savior didn't show up. He called his disciples. He was in a place of doubt. He called his disciples and John said, go and seek out the master and ask him, is he the Christ or do we seek another? Now, wait a minute, just a few months earlier, the Lord Jesus Christ came walking up to the side of the Jordan where John was baptizing and John recognized him before he got there. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God that take away the sin of the world. He recognized him and now he's come to a place because he's in a dungeon, because he's in prison, because he's in his little island, if you would, a place of doubt. He said, is he the Messiah or do we look for another? It was a lonely place. Jesus talked to his disciples, told him, he said, tell John, it's all right. It's all right. I think about Job in the Old Testament. A man who eschewed evil. A man who loved God. A man who taught his children how to worship God. A man who lost everything he had for no reason at all. He didn't even know what was going on. All because the devil went to God one day and said, I've been walking up and down the earth trying to find somebody that I can deal with. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? Satan turned back to him. He said, I considered him, but you've put a hedge around him that nobody can get close to him. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. You won't find this virgin in the King James. So don't go out and say, pastor's preaching heresy. Preacher's preaching heresy. I'm just trying to give you an illustration. And he said, uh, uh, God said, uh, uh, listen, do what you want to him. Just don't touch his life. And Satan went to work on Job, took his, uh, took his wealth, took his health, took his children, took everything. What did Job say? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what Job probably can't do? Them three guys he called his friend. Them three guys he called his friend. They went picking at Job like an old hen in a, in a hen house. But you know something? Job, the Bible says he never charged God foolishly. He never charged him foolishly. But he found himself in a lonely place. I want you to understand something, church. You listen to me. You want revival to come. Get your eyes off the storm. Keep your eyes off the, uh, the God over the storm. You said, why? Let God control the storm and you keep your mind steadfast on him. You want perfect peace. Isaiah 26 said, I will give him perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Put your trust in God. Be of good cheer. Fear not because God has it all under control. Revival hasn't come because we are watching others. We are watching self. We are watching the storm. Paul said, I have the peace of God. God said, I'm going to be all right. You know what God said about each one of you? If you're saved tonight, you're going to make it. One of these days, you're going to walk those streets of gold that were singled about. One of these days, you're going to enjoy that mansion that the Lord Jesus Christ talked about. In his father's house. I don't care what the other guys say. They're looking for a little small room in heaven. I'm looking for a mansion. My God knows what a mansion is. Huh? I'm not going looking for a broom closet. Huh? I'm going looking for a mansion. You say why? Because God promised it. Huh? 
We sing that, that little chorus, every promise in the book is mine. Well, that's one promise I'm claiming. I'm going to heaven one of these days looking for that mansion. You said, preacher, what's going to happen if you get there and you don't find the mansion? As long as Jesus is there, that's all that matters. Huh? I sleep in a tent. I sleep under a juniper tree. Huh? If there's one up there. Huh? He said, what are you saying? Storm's going to come. Storm's going to come. It doesn't matter how old you are. Storm's going to come. Teenagers, young folk, if you're in here, storms are going to come. You're going to have problems you're going to go through. You're going to have those how be it moments. But I want you to understand something. God is even in control of those moments. He is even in control of those moments. You should preach a how can you tell. The Bible said, Paul said that God said not there would be no loss of life. There was no loss of life. The ship broke apart. Some of the men went swimming that could swim. Some of the men found pieces of board and floated to shore on pieces of board. But every one of them made it. I See, I read the whole chapter. I read the whole chapter. I didn't just read the part that was interesting. I read the whole, whole chapter. And you said, preacher, what do what, what you say? I read about it. I read about it. You said, you said preacher, said, but what do you think? My mind think of a John the Beloved. John the Beloved. The history has it that he was boiled in a pot of, of oil. Some say olive oil, but it was oil. I don't know what kind it was. Olive oil was a very prominent oil back in that day. It could have very well been olive oil. But you know what God said? That was a, by the way, that was a how be it moment for John. But you know what God said? I'm not ready for you yet, John. I'm not ready for you yet. So what did he do? He did the same thing that that boiling pot of oil that he did for those three Hebrew boys in that fiery furnace. He took the heat out of it. He took the heat out of it. When the Romans found out that he couldn't kill him by boiling him at all, they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. Realizing when they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos and so forth, he realized that he had no provisions. He had no food. And in their minds, when a man has no provisions, a man has no food, it won't be long before he dies. Oh, but church, I want you to know something. When Jesus says, it's just a how be it moment, because that's what it's going to be. See, Jesus showed up while John was out there. Jesus showed up. Jesus said, listen, I am the Alpha, I'm the Omega. I'm he that was dead but now alive. I am he that holds the keys of, of death and hell in my hand. He said, I want you to know something. I am the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did he show John? Hey, the man that they thought was going to die at any moment, he showed John uh, the risen Savior, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He showed John how the church was going to say goodbye to this old world. He showed him the tribulation period. He showed him the millennial reign of Christ. He showed him how the battle of Armageddon was going to end. He showed him eternity future. Why? All because God said, you are going through a how be it moment, but I want you to understand something. Be of good cheer. Your God is still in control. In church tonight, for, uh, on the eve of our revival, be of good cheer. God is still in control. What he's done for others, he can do for you. Amen. He can do for you. 
You want revival? Get your eyes off the world. Get your eyes off of politics. Get your eyes off of North Korea. Get your eyes off of Iran. Get your eyes off of the White House and put them on Jesus Christ. Get in the book. Find out what God says. Find out what God wants. The trials are going to come. I've had my share of them. My wife has had her share of them. At the beginning of a year, she had sepsis. At the end of the year, she had a, mass, a massive stroke. Huh? It was how be it moments. She's still here. Huh? Lady, she's going to talk to you about it, I'm sure, when y'all have your, your fellowship. So what are you saying? How be it moments. She's had others. But you know something? God said, how be it? It must happen. How be it? It must happen. I don't know what you're going through tonight. I know you say you want revival. I want revival for you. I want revival for me. But I want you to understand something. Don't let those how be it moments stop revival from coming in your life. God said be of good cheer. Huh? You say, but preacher, you don't know what I'm going through. Get on that ship that Paul was on. See what he went through. At least 14 days he didn't see the sun, the moon, or the stars. 14 days. I remember as a young man, I was on a boat. We, my dad and I and another guy went fishing. We didn't go out in the, in the ocean. We went in the bay. I loved fishing. My daddy loved fishing. The day we went out, the, when we first went out, the bay was as calm as this floor. We got out about three or four miles and so forth. The waves were three-footers. That little 25-foot cabin thing, a cabin cruiser that he had, that thing was rolling and pitching. Even the captain on the boat got seasick. My daddy, who was a very avid fisherman, loved the water. He got seasick. He told me, he said, little Titus, you got to go up front and pull up the anchor. Man, this boat was rolling like this. I said, man, are you crazy? I said, you threw it out. I wasn't seasick, but I think I was too afraid to get seasick. You want to see a young man holding on to that little railing? I like to pull it off. I was holding that thing was rolling over. Sometimes the water was so close I could almost touch it. But finally I got there and I pulled that anchor up. We sailed back in. Uh, 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 well, not sailed, but we um, uh, rode back in, motored our way back in. We missed the dock by about eight miles. We missed the dock. And, uh, of course, the captain was still sick. My daddy was still sick, and he said, I don't recognize where we are. I said, I see land. That's all I'm worried about. <laughs> I said, pull in there. That's all I'm worried about is I see land. I can't walk on water. I don't have webbed feet. My name is not Jesus Christ. My name is not Peter. Pull into the land. I will walk home. I said, but when we finally realized where we were, he said, but we're eight miles from the rod and reel. I said, I don't care if we're 800 miles from the rod and reel. I want to get off his boat. <laughs> Paul didn't have that choice. Huh? He didn't have that choice. The storm was there. Huh? Now, see, we went out in that little cab, that little 25-foot uh, boat of, uh, 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 of gems and so forth. We did that willingly. I don't think Paul was too willing to go on that boat he was on. He said, fellas, we shouldn't go. But the storm came. 
And church, tonight I want you to understand something. Storms are going to come in your life. Even if revival comes, storms are going to come. Trouble is going to hit you. You're not exempted from salvation doesn't exempt you from trouble. Read the historical account of each one of the apostles. How they tasted death. Some were sawn asunder. Some were beheaded, the apostle Paul. Paul was in the will of God. And yet trouble came. Do you think you're better than he is? Or was? Don't let the troubles or the trials that come to your life stop you from having revival. Don't let it stop. I don't care how high the mountain is. Not higher than God. I don't care how deep the valley is. It's not so deep that God can't pull you out of it. I want you to realize something. Every person under the sound of my voice over the past five years, you have gone through something. Now, I don't know about Mrs. Titus, but I can tell you, you've gone through something, but you're here tonight. I wonder why. I wonder why. Because God is still gracious and merciful. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. And if he got you out of whatever that was, he'll get you through your storm. You want to revive, but get your eyes off of that. Get your eyes off of the storm. Take your eyes off of other people. The average conversation in America today is what's happening in Washington, D.C. Can you do anything about what's happening in Washington, D.C.? Can you do anything about what happened in Washington, D.C.? Can you make the Congress pass laws? Huh? Huh? Can you make the Supreme Court do anything? Huh? Can you make our president do anything? But 90% of the conversation going on today is politics. Whatever happened to Jesus Christ? Whatever happened to the Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Why aren't we lifting up the name of Jesus Christ and stop worrying about politics? Oh, but pastor, it's because of the politics that we're in this mess that we're in. I want you to understand something. You may be in a mess, but the God that you serve can get you out of it. Or get you through it. Because I can tell you something. If God doesn't straighten out the political crisis that's in America, you're not. You're not. You lose sleep over it. You have heartburns over it. You'll lose your hair over it. I'm going to stop that. Some of you guys may think I'm talking, but you're losing your hair. <laughs> the storms are going to come. You're going to go through them. You're going to go through them. But church, I want you to realize something. You're not the only one that went through storms. You're not the only one who walked with God that went through storms. Some of you remember Elijah. Came to town on a whirlwind and left in a fiery chariot. Called down far from heaven. Slew 850 prophets. And then got a message from a little old ugly woman that say on tomorrow, I'm going to make your life as one of those prophets. And he took off running. 
who took off running, found a juniper tree, sat up under that tree, and cried out to God, Oh, I wish I could die. I wish you'd let me go and live with my fathers. Let me go and be with the fa- my fathers. Did he really want to die? Did Elijah really want to die? No. You said, Preacher, how can you tell? If he wanted to die, why didn't he let Jezebel kill him? He would have been just as dead. Oh, I wish I was dead. I'm the only one still serving you. God said, no, you're not. He was having a howbeit moment. I want you to understand something. Good men in the Bible have gone through howbeit moments. Why do you think that you're not going to go through one? How did God prove himself? He said, Elijah, I'm going to have some birds to feed you, ravens. I'm going to let that water in that brook run a little while. And after the ravens stopped feeding him and the brook dried up, he said, now I want you to go up to Zarephath. There's a widow woman up there. She's going to sustain you. Get to Zarephath. There's a woman up there with a little handful of meal and a little bit of oil on the cruise. She said, are you kidding? He said, but God said. And she gave him his cake. The last time I read that story, Dr. Bloom, it said the, bur- the crews never ran out of oil and the burl never ran out of meal. Hmm? Huh? God had to prove something. Huh? How did he prove it? By that little old lady told him that she was going to kill him. That was a how bid moment. And church, you listen to me tonight as we close. You're going to have how bid moments. Don't let your eyes get caught up in that how bid moment. You stay in the will of God. You continue to read the word of God. You continue to have a relationship with God and fellowship with God. God will get you through whatever storm you find yourself in. Revival will come. It will come. Chapter 28 of Acts 28. What happens when they all get to shore? Paul is gathering sticks to build a fire. Mm-hmm. And out of them sticks comes a viper, a poisonous viper, and fastens itself to his hand. Should have killed him. I'm sure the mariners looked at him and said, oh boy, the storm didn't kill him, but that snake will. Now some of you like snakes. I don't. I don't. In Maryland, you're not supposed to kill them. I put up a sign that said, no trespassing on my property. <laughs> if the snake comes across, it says, violators will be shot. <laughs> if the snake comes across, I don't care what color he is. Guys, you don't kill a black snake, he catch mice. A trap does the same thing. He said, but pastor, brother Titus, the snake can't read. That's not my problem. That's not my problem. Hmm? My problem is he's not supposed to be crossing my property. But preacher, will you kill a black snake? I'd kill him if he's red, white, and blue. So what are you saying? I want you to understand something, church, tonight, and I'm going to close. You're going to have howbeit moments. You're going to go through some things. Not because there's sin in your life. 
Not because you're out of the will of God, but you're going to go through some things. Some things are going to be harder than others, but I want you to understand something. Don't major on the storm. Major on the God over the storm. Keep your faith and trust in him. That's what Paul did. And if you read the rest of the book of Acts, Paul did eventually get to Rome. He went before Caesar. Huh? But God said, thou must appear before Caesar. So he was in the will of God. You're in the will of God, you stay there. But pastor, what about the storm? Maybe God is trying to work something in your life. And if he is, let him. Let him. But the how be it moment's going to come. For some of you, I don't want to burst your bubble. It might start tomorrow. It might be medical. It might be financial. It might be social. It might have to do with your children. It could have, it have to do with anything. But it's going to happen. It's going to come. But don't let that stop revival. Go on for the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep on lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Huh? I have some friends here from, said they were from Alabama. They said, if the revival hits here, it'll work its way to Alabama. You know one thing? It won't stop at Alabama. It'll come on up to Maryland. Huh? It'll go all the way to Maine if it comes. Huh? It may just start with one person. You might be that person. Get your eyes off of circumstances. And fasten them on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Dr. Lord.